0: last time that we met, the choice of faith. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Divine Father, we approach your divine throne tonight asking for the ministry of the mighty Holy Spirit. For it is he, Father, that Opens our spiritual eyes and opens our spiritual ears. Tonight we ask that Jesus Christ be revealed by way of the written word. We move all flesh out of the way. And Lord, we give you freedom to have your way. Above Almighty Father, we pray that you will be glorified in all that is said and done. In Jesus name, amen and amen. I sense a radical faith tonight. I say I sense a radical faith tonight, a people who will not be denied. All that God has ordained that we experience in our generation, we shall indeed experience it. Because of the mercy and grace of Almighty God in this season. Amen? Amen. I'm not going to turn there, but in the book of Acts, chapter 1, we talked last week about how for 40 days, Jesus appeared after he was raised from the dead and showed himself the bible says to many people the bible says in the book of Matthew we saw last week that even after all that some doubted it it's amazing how a person could fall into unbelief in this way even after They had seen the Lord, raised from the dead, saw the scars in his hands, and knew that he was indeed the Lord of glory and taken up into heaven. Some still doubted. I find that mind-blowing. That leads me to understand that faith, then, is a choice. It's a choice. And we found out last week... That Thomas said, I need a, my criteria is that I have to see something and I have to feel something before I believe. That is not our portion. We're, we are people who walk by faith and not by sight. I confess that over us tonight. So faith is indeed a choice. I want to begin tonight in the book of Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. I think we ended here last week. And Jesus makes a radical statement. Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believes. I'm going to read that again. He says, "If thou canst believe all things are possible to him who believeth. Now that's the head of the church talking. That's God Almighty talking, amen? So the head of the church gives us an invitation to tap into the impossible. No matter what your circumstance may be, no matter what your situation may be, Jesus is saying tonight that all things are possible to those who will believe those who will not be talked out of it, the promises of God because of contradictory circumstances or things that they see in the natural. Jesus says that our faith can circumvent those natural realities and take us to a level where all things are made possible, a place where all things are made possible in Christ Jesus. I say that because those people who doubted, even after He was raised from the dead, they did not have what we have right now. Of course, they don't. Have, they didn't have the written word, but they did not have. Also, they did not have the mighty Holy Ghost. After the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Ghost made his introduction to the church, supernatural faith was now made possible to every believer. Bible says that Praying in the Holy Ghost, we tap into our most holy faith. Hallelujah. So since we have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of us, and those of us who have been baptized in the Holy Ghost with power and fire, We have access to an unlimited faith in an unlimited God that can cause us to experience things in our generation that the carnal man or the carnal Christian even cannot even comprehend. If we will believe it. That's the key. If we refuse to be talked out of The things that are ours by way of covenant relationship. I want to go to an example now of all things being made possible. Let's go to John chapter 11. So faith, we found out last week, it truly is a choice that we make. To believe God or believe in the limitations more in our natural minds. John 11 verse 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany. The town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary... which was anointed, the, who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus, the Bible says, was sick. Therefore, his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, that This sickness. Is not under death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. These were personal friends of Jesus. They had a special bond with him. That's why the Bible says he loved them that way. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was, even though he loved him. He stayed two days, but it was for a purpose. Let's jump down to verse 11. These things said he, and after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go. That I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. <laughs> Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of him taking of a rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto Jesus them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Then he said something here. I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. To the intent that you may believe. All of this was set up, Jesus said, was to the intent that they would believe. God wanted their faith. To be impacted by this situation. A lot of times that's why God allows certain things in our life. He wants our faith to be impacted by the challenge set before us at times. So we should never run from challenges. We should embrace challenges. When we're in covenant relationship with God. Because in our heart of hearts, we know and believe that all things are possible when we're connected to him. Let's go down to verse 39. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. For he had been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. So Jesus was interested in showing the people the glory of God. Jesus, that same Jesus, is interested in showing us also the glory of God in our various situations. If we can keep our belief system intact and not be moved by what we see or the things that's going on around us, but keep our eyes focused On the word. That's the key. And I want us to understand tonight that that's how much God wants us to see his glory. If we will believe our faith, it will trigger the supernatural power of God in the various situations that, and the challenges that we're going through. Our belief, our faith, triggers the supernatural power of God. That's why, that's why Satan, he's not after anything other than your faith. He doesn't care about you, he doesn't care about me. He's after our faith. He's trying to separate us from the faith that will cause us to experience... The supernatural power and deliverance of God in our lives. If you notice, the Bible says God is a faith God. He responds only to faith. That's why the Bible says it's impossible to please him. Without faith. God pleasures to bless his people, but in order for us to be blessed to the degree that God wants to bless us, never forget that it's your faith in his word that causes his power to show up in your life. Don't ever lose sight of that. It's faith in God that makes the difference. I want to go to Mark chapter 6. I want to see something very interesting here. Mark chapter 6. Very telling. Here in the book of Mark. Now Jesus. Had been going around doing miracles and signs and wonders. All over Israel. And the mighty power of God was flowing from the anointed one. Many people have been impacted, their lives have been impacted because of their faith in God through Christ. We saw that last week in our studies. But the Bible says something here very important that we need to see here in the sixth chapter of Mark. And he went out from thence, talking about Jesus, and came into his own country and his disciples followed him. And when, he, when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. So he's in his hometown. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, From whence had this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? So they're talking about the people who were familiar with him, the people that he grew up around. This is their testimony. This is their mindset. Is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And the Bible says they were offended at him. (laughs) That's a principle. They got offended at him because of the familiarity that they had with him. Jesus is about to say something very important. And this is a word to you and I. And Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin <laughs> and in his own house. You know, you can be anointed and have the power of God flowing through you and flowing from you and helping a whole bunch of people, but your kinfolk, they are not impressed. <laughs> They just aren't. Jesus said that's a principle. He said a prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, amongst his own kin, and in his own house. Because they see you every day, you know. And the Bible says here in verse 5, this is what we're going to say. And he could there do no mighty work didn't say that he didn't want to, but the Bible says he could not do any mighty work save that he laid his hands on a few sick folk and healed them. And the Bible says he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about the villages teaching. How many of y'all know the only thing that can drive out unbelief is teaching? The Word of God. But what I want you to see is that the Spirit of God was there with Jesus. And they, the Spirit of God yet could not do anything because there was no faith in the atmosphere. So even though It was the will of God that Jesus manifest his power in his hometown. It could not happen and did not happen because of the people's unbelief. And Jesus, almighty God in the flesh, the Bible said he marveled at their unbelief. This was a highly developed unbelief that even God marveled at. They could have believed, but they chose not to. They they got offended. So again, that leads us back to our premise. Faith is a choice. I can choose to believe, or I can choose to doubt. Now for some of us, that's, that's good news, because that lets me know, if I can believe... I can tap into some things. I can experience some things. I can see some things that God wants me to see in my generation. If I'm not talked out of it by the devil and by unbelieving Christians. Notice I say unbelieving Christians. Because you got some Christians, they can go so far with you. <laughs> and they can't go any further because of their the things they've been taught the things that uh, they, they've been told their denominational uh, affiliation that, believe, that simply believes that the days of miracles and signs and wonders are gone away I heard John Osteen say There never was a day of miracles, but there is a God of miracles. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. One of the greatest statements I ever heard. Power of God is still resident in the church. But it's received and made manifest by faith. In him and in his word. So Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. He was amazed at their unbelief. Now let's go to the book of Psalms to further kind of illustrate this. You know, one thing about Wednesday nights. I'm teaching teachers (laughs) most of the time. Y'all already know these things, a lot of it. But God is trying to remind us tonight of how important faith in God is and how when it's released, I mean really released, unhindered, all things truly are possible. 78, verse 40. The writer says, How often or how oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Talking about Israel's rebellion in the wilderness. God called their rebellion evil. God, God views unbelief differently a lot of times than we do. God, God calls unbelief evil. We, don't, we don't necessarily look at it that. Well, Lord, I'm weak. I was weak. But God says no. To them, you're not weak. You're wicked because you failed to believe what I say. Uh I heard another preacher say, God has one real desire, and that is to be believed. That's his main desire, is to be believed. He wants his people to believe him. The Bible says in verse 41, yea, they turn back. And tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited God because of their lack of faith. God wanted to do things, but he did could not do things just like he could not do things in Nazareth because of their unbelief. Verse 42, they remembered not his hand. Nor the day when he delivered them from their enemies. Talking about their deliverance from Egypt and all those mighty signs and wonders. And whenever I teach on uh, unbelief, I like to go to the book of Numbers. <laughs> because we see it in full display among God's covenant people. And let's go to the book of Numbers chapter 14. And the thing about Israel and their rebellion in the wilderness, it got so bad to where God wanted really to kill them. I mean, when your unbelief can get you so far on that side that God want to kill you, that's not good. So this is... (laughs) Now, we, we live in a different, different dispensation. Amen. We, 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 this was the old covenant. Thank God God's mercy is, is such that it's in Christ. Amen. For us. So the Bible says here in uh, 14 and 1, and all the congregation, that's amazing. The Bible says everybody, all of them, lifted up their voice, and they cried, and the people wept that night. Nothing wrong with crying. Nothing wrong with weeping. It's the attitude that got them in trouble, right? And all the children of Israel, what, murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God that we had died in this wilderness? Not everybody really get in trouble. And wherefore had the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey, were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? In In other words, they said... What good is it to be born again or to be saved or to be in covenant relationship with God? That's what they're saying in so many words. We might as well just go back to slavery and bondage. It's, yeah, there you go, Pastor. It. It's better than walking with God. That's what they're saying. And god that's what God is hearing. Okay. And they said to one another, let us make a, a captain... And let us return to Egypt. Now. God's response to all of this. Is in verse 11. And the Lord said unto Moses. How long will this people provoke me? So their unbelief. Is provoking God now. Their ungratefulness. It's provoking God now. Their evil conversation and all, and, and unbelief, the church needs to get this, is evil in the, in the mind of God. How long will, be, how long will be it they ere they believe me? Let me read that again. How long will it be ere they believe me? In other words, how long are they gonna fail to believe me? For all the signs which I have showed unto them. <laughs> I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And will make of you, talking to Moses, a greater nation and mightier than they. Now that's how mighty God talks. And guess what? He could have done, <laughs> done it. He could have done it. He could have. He could. Just like he told Moses, I, I'm going to start all over with you. I'm going to kill them all. I'm going to kill every last one of them. Yeah, we're, we're stuck in time. But God lives outside of time. <laughs> okay? So he can do that. He, he could have killed all of them and just started over with Moses. And he would have been just and righteous to do it had they not had a pastor like Moses who prayed for them. Okay? So this is where unbelief or a failure to believe God or a lack of faith got them to this point. Where God is so angry that he's willing to wipe them all out, disinherit them, and start all over again. Because Moses was still the seed of Abraham. Amen? He would have still kept his integrity and his promise to Abraham, but he would just started with Moses. Amen. Verse 23. Let's go down to verse 23. God's still talking. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb. Why? Because he had another spirit with him and had... Follow me fully. Him will I bring into the land. He went and his seed shall possess it. So Caleb, he kept his faith. He held on to his faith. Him and Joshua, they held on to their faith. And God responded to them totally differently than he did the rest of them. Because their faith was intact. They continued to believe God. So that shows me how very important it is to keep my faith on that level where God can use me to glorify him. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm going to say that again. The only way that our faith can stay on that level where God, where we can be useful to God is that we continuously be exposed to truth. I have to continually be exposed to the Word of God if I'm going to experience the things that God wants to me to experience. Because again, faith is a choice. That I have to make. Let's go to Romans chapter 4. Verse 16. Therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the what? The faith of Abraham who is the father of us all. So Paul writes that Abraham is the father of us all in other words abraham's faith is to be mimicked is to be copied it's an example that you can you and i can use to measure where we are in our faith walk if i'm if i'm if i'm operating in the type of faith Abraham operated in, I know then that I'm pleasing God. Because I'm walking by faith and not by sight. I'm focused on what God has said, as opposed to what's all the chaos that's going on around me. I'm imitating Abraham's faith, who staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. How many of you want to give glory to God? Well, Abraham's faith, his type of faith, which is Bible faith, which is different from man's type of faith, Our natural faith, remember the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, but they are foolishness unto him. When you're really walking by faith, you may look foolish, like Pastor was saying. you got to get to the point where you're not afraid to look foolish. The dream that God has placed in your heart, it may look impossible to those who are around you. But if God placed it in your heart, it is possible because God placed it there. And the only way that it it won't bear fruit is if we let the winds of adversity and the difficulties and the trials of life uproot that. It's important that we remain stable in our faith and in the things that God has Spoken to us. And you know what God has spoken to you. You know the thing that God has, has placed upon your heart. Don't you let the devil talk you out of it. Don't you let unbelieving Christians talk you out of it. Don't you let time talk you out of it. Cause it seems like it's taken so long. Don't you let the devil lie to you. Let God be true and every man and every devil be a liar. So Abraham's faith is a faith that we can look at and we can mimic, we can copy, we can use as an example of what supernatural Bible faith looks like. And I'm running out of time. Genesis chapter 13, and we'll close the other day. Thank you, Lord. God, stir us up, stir us up in this area of faith so that we can tap into those things that have been freely given to us. Oh, God. (sighs) Genesis 13. Verse 14. God dealing with Abram or Abram, his name is Abram. He hasn't changed his name to Abraham yet. And the Lord said unto Abram, after Lot was separated from him, Lift up now your eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. I like that word forever. (laughs) Forever. Only God can promise forever, amen? He's the only one that can promise forever. And I will make your seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall your seed be numbered. So God is talking supernatural multiplication. He's talking multiplication far beyond our human capacity to understand. At this point, God says, your seed is going to be like the dust of the earth, and Abraham has no children. God has promised him back in Genesis chapter 12, but now he's here in this chapter, and he's still saying the same thing. Yet yet there is no manifestation of seed. Yet Abraham, or Abram, remains strong in his belief system. Which gives God permission to continue to work with him. Continue to take him toward that place of divine appointment. So too with us, when we refuse to let the devil talk us out of things... Even though the contract, everything looks contradictory to the promise, that is when God is well pleased. That is when God is working behind the scenes, bringing things to pass, putting things together, working on our behalf, causing us to walk in the steps that lead us to that victory, that lead us to that inheritance, that lead us to that blessing. That's what Abraham had to do. He had to believe that northward, southward, eastward, and westward, all that land that he saw, God promised it to his seed, even though he had no children at all. He had to still believe. I'm going to close right there. Because that's where some of us are right now. We're believing God. God has spoken to us. He's shown us even. And yet, we see nothing in the natural that says that it's true. Abraham's faith is a faith that grew to the point where even after the manifestation of Isaac... God still tested him. Even after Isaac was born, Abraham's faith was not perfected. Abraham's faith was perfected on Mount Moriah when God told him, kill him, kill him, and then burn him up as a burnt offering unto me. Abraham was not deterred. He acted on God's word. And then God said, then, now I know. Now I know. That you love me. That you trust me. Stand to your feet. Lord, we're going to get there. All of us are going to get to that place. We're going to experience the promise in our generation." That thing that you placed within each and every one of our hearts. That thing, Lord, that we only talk to you about. We may not even have shared it with man, but the thing that we have talked to you about in our seek, in the secret place. God, you're going to cause those things to come to pass because you're going to be glorified as we release our faith toward you, who can never fail. So, Father, I pray for your children today. I pray for your sheep today. I pray, Lord God, that you would give to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. Open the eyes of our understanding that we would know what is the hope of your calling and what the riches of the glory of your inheritance is in the saints. Cause our faith, oh God, to be perfected in him and we'll give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.